Please support The Bar by like, subscribe, and sharing my casts. Follow my social media at Facebook, Instagram, Gab, Parlor, BitChute, YouTube, DLive, Twitch, CloutHub, and Rumble. Or join my Subscribestar. Make a donation by clicking on the links on the description box. I am a listener-supported show, so any of the above is greatly appreciated. Help me grow and spread the truth since the mainstream media obviously does not want to support truth. All links are listed on the description box. God bless you and enjoy. Welcome to the Speak Uneasy, a safe space where cancel culture does not exist because we are in a different prohibition era. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Speak Uneasy with your host, the bartender. Tonight's random read is going to come off of the book of Amos, chapter 7, verses 14 through 17, Amos's reply to Amaziah. Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was an herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto the people, unto, unto my people, Israel. Now therefore, hear thou the word of the Lord. Thou sayest, prophesy not against Israel, and drop not thy word against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, thy wife shall be an harlot in the city, and thy sons and thy daughters shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided by line, and thou shalt die in a polluted land, and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of his land. Once again, this random read comes from the book of Amos, chapter 7, verses 14 through 17, Amos's reply to Amaziah. Now for my take of the random read. So this is going to take a minute and um, I want to explain something here. So my journey into eventually getting into podcasting. Um, this particular read resonates with me because this pretty much tells me, which is explaining to you, which is what I'm what I'm about to explain to you on how how my journey came to be. And I know I'm sounding repetitive right now. Excuse me, I had a drink earlier. So I was going through a tough time last year. Um. I got into a situation at work 
And on top of that, with the whole Charlie Victor thing, um, civil unrest going on, lockdowns, just a whole bunch of stuff going on last year. And the midst of all these things going on, I was lost. And I was deep into prayer every day. And I was confused. I didn't know what to do. Um, the situation I got into with, with my job, um, I was put on leave for quite some time. So as I was put on leave and in this time of confusion, the, the only thing I could resort to was prayer. Because I needed, I needed to find out what direction, I, what was going to be my next step. I wasn't sure if um, I wasn't sure where where my job was going to put me at, as far as you know what, what was going to be the next thing for me. Was I going to get fired? I mean, what, what was going to happen? The unknown. I was in the unknown. So. I resorted to the only thing I knew was to pray to God. And, you know, for days on end, praying, praying, praying. Finally, one day, God tell, and I hear his voice. I hear his voice. And he says to me, spread the word. And I was thinking to myself, spread the word kind of like this this read here right kind of like this read where um where Amos I guess was uh Amos was told to pretty much do the same thing right I didn't know how to go I didn't know how to go about this. I didn't know how to go about spreading the word, spreading truth. I didn't know. I didn't I had no clue. You know, although I started having a relationship with God, I I I didn't know how to go about spreading the word. And I'm not one of those type of guys to stand by a corner with a sign saying you repent now. Or you go to hell. No. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna get a message across to people that way. One thing I know for sure is that if people want to listen to you, that's your way in to getting to getting them into converting converting them into people that will follow God or to find the truth. People who are willing to listen. And it's not for everybody because a lot of people are not open-minded. Or a lot of people choose to be ignorant. So, you know, I was thinking to myself, how am I going to do this? And one, it just occurred to me like one day, like, you know what? I'll podcast. I'll podcast because it gives people the choice to listen to me or not. 
and I'm not forcing, I'm not forcing my beliefs into somebody. I'm giving, what I'm doing is I'm giving, I'm giving them my perspective and what I think. They may agree with me. They might be, they may not agree with me either way. I don't care, but the important thing is for me to at least try to spread the word, try to spread the truth. And that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. So that's, that's how this read kind of resonates with me. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that I at least reach, I know for a fact that I've already reached one person out there. I know I have. I know I have because, you know, he's a friend of mine. Actually, if I think about it, I think I've reached two people to at least have a better relationship with God. So I know it's hitting somebody somewhere out there. I may not be the best person in explaining things because (laughs) I'm not a college educated person. I don't have extensive vocabulary. I'm not a snob. Or I'm, I don't consider myself highly intelligent either. I'm just a common sense thinker. That's all. So that's my take on the random read. And I really hope that that story makes sense. If not, uh, I don't know how else to simplify it because that's as simple as it gets. Sorry for not having a uh, college degree or a college education. Anyways, let's move on to the next thing of uh, the next topic of today's show. Or not the topic, the next section. Let's move on to the next section, okay? And I know some of you might, this might be the, the your favorite part of the show. It's uh, the making of the cocktail. So today we're going to go ahead and make a um, Rob Roy. A Rob Roy. Uh, I am not a fan of sweet vermouth, but to keep this a variety of cocktails, uh, I've chosen to make a Rob Roy today. So before we make the Rob Roy, I found an article here from vinepair.com uh it was written by Aaron Goldfarb and the article was published back in October 9th of 2020 article reads the history of the Rob Roy cocktail this article is part of a cocktail history series sponsored by Johnny Walker um, that's not the scotch that we're going to be using tonight, but I'm reading it because that's what the article has in it. And I'm giving them full credit, so. Discover more about classic scotch cocktails here. If a cocktail is named after somebody, I'm sorry, if a cocktail is named after someone, that someone probably had very little to do with the actual cocktail's creation. Such is the case with Robert Roy McGregor, a 17th century outlaw, outlaw? Wow. often cited as a sort of Scottish Robin Hood 
for leading battles against noblemen in the highlands. After his death, he became such a folk hero, in fact, that an operetta, also called Rob Roy, was written about him, debuting on Broadway in 1894. Like many shows of the era, it would need an accompanying drink. Just around the block from Herald Square Theater of Fifth Avenue, where the Empire State Building stands today, was the newly built Waldorf Astoria. The Ritzy Hotel had already laid claim to to quite a few popular cocktails of the time, and indeed, today most drinks annals typically give it credit for the Rob Roy as well. At the time, there are many other cocktails writers, cocktail writers who will point to other luxury lodging. The Fifth Avenue Hotel down by Madison Square as the birthplace of the Rob Roy. And neither of those was truly the first Rob Roy cocktail. One with brandy, Angostura bitters, and orgeat had been fashioned by legendary New York barman E.F. Barry in the early 1870s. Yeah, he was a very uh, famous bartender. It's very possible that those midtown bartenders may have borrowed the recipe from the opposite shores of the Hudson River. In recent years, drink, drinks historian David Wanderich has found evidence that one Henry A. Orfall stirred up an impromptu Rob Roy while working at Duke's house in Hoboken, New Jersey just across the street from the Manhattan Ferry around 1895. A blended Scotch whiskey salesman came in wanting a Manhattan, but according to his own company's policy, it was unethical for him to drink anything not containing his own whiskey. Or Fall's solution was to swap in two ounces of Scotch alongside with sweet vermouth and Angostura bitters. The drink is good, a name is suggested, and Dunn writes Wonderrich. The drink was good, yes, essentially a Manhattan for a Scotch lover. It's never become as ubiquitous as that American whiskey-based cocktail. But But many drinkers prefer it. That's because blended Scotch makes the drink less sweet and a bitter leaner and a bit leaner as well. Jeez, I can't read today. It must have been the drink that I had earlier. (laughs) It also brings an interesting depth, adding a touch of smoke to balance out the sugary vermouth. Whoever created it and whatever it was created, the Rob Roy quickly became a sensation in America. Ordered name ordered by name across the entire country. It probably didn't hurt that Rob Roy himself was a well-known figure in New York at the time, nor that his name rolled off the tongue when ordering it. By November of 1895, 
the San Francisco Call was already reporting that a new cocktail called the Rob Roy it is a Manhattan made with scotch instead of rye whiskey. It is excellent. Its recipe would soon start appearing in cocktail books like James C. Maloney's 20th Century Guide and John Applegreen's 1899 Barkeeper's Guide. This three-ingredient cocktail remains popular today. Easy to make at home, especially as blended scotch is common on bar carts. Even if in those same homes, most everyone has forgotten the man behind the drink, Rob Roy. Once again, that article was vo- was by vinepair.com, written by Aaron Goldfarb. And now we're going to make the Rob Roy. All right, so we're going to take two ounces of scotch. What I have here for my blended scotch tonight, we have the famous grouse, Smoky Black. So we're going to go ahead and do two two ounces of this into the... Um, I don't have a mixing glass just yet, so we're going to go ahead and use my shaker. The first ounce is in. Second ounce is in. Now it's calling for three quarters of sweet vermouth. And for tonight's sweet vermouth, I'm using my usual sweet vermouth, which is uh, Rivata. Man, I'm not a big fan of sweet vermouth. Nothing sweet about this thing, in my opinion. So we're going three quarters of sweet vermouth. All right, three quarters of sweet vermouth in there. And for the bitters, I have Fee Brothers 1864 West Indian Orange Bitters. We're going to put, it says to put two dashes. I'm going to put three because I really need to cover up that sweet vermouth taste. So here we go. I just touched it with three dashes of orange bitters. All right. So now we're going to go ahead and put some ice in here. And now we're going to stir to dilution. In the meantime, while I'm stirring, I have a, uh, I don't have a Nicanor glass. I'm going to have to buy one eventually. So for now, I'm using a martini glass and I have, I have it chilling right now. 
So as soon as this is ready to go in the glass, I'm going to dump the ice and water out of the uh, martini glass. Give it a little taste. Okay. Okay, so now we're going to dump the ice and water out of the uh, martini glass. Making a mess over here. Jeez. I wish I can do this in my bar. It'd be much better. I wish I can do it on video. Someday. Okay. So now I got my um, strainer. The glass is empty now and it's chilled. Now for the pour. Now for the um, garnishes, I'm going to be using Marschino cherry. So I'm going to be using about two Marschino cherries. I'll plop it right there. All right. And now for the moment of truth. Here's to the uh, the Rob Roy. Here's a little taste. Slangeva. Hmm. Let's give it a little taste again. All right, so Yeah, the sweet vermouth. It's strong. I'm not a sweet vermouth fan. Um after the taste of the sweet vermouth, then you get the scotch. And it's a blended scotch, a smoky blended scotch. Um, honestly, for my palate, this is not even that smoky because when it comes to smoky um, scotches, Laphroaig. <laughs> Laphroaig by far is, for me, in my opinion, the most smokiest, um, the smoky of all smoky. Um, this is not that bad. So... It doesn't taste that bad, but it wouldn't be on my order list. But if you like the sweet vermouth with a combination of a so-called smoky scotch, blend, uh, smoky blended scotch, then this isn't bad. It's just not one of my uh, go-tos. So uh, here's to the Rob Roy. Slangeva. And now on to the show. So today I have a couple articles that I'm, I will be talking about. The first article comes from The Federalist. And it was published on April 29th of this year by Jordan Davidson. Article reads, Idaho cop suspended for viral TikTok mocking LeBron James police threat. An Idaho cop was suspended this week after 
a video of him poking fun at NBA star LeBron James went viral on TikTok. Last week, after an officer killed a teenage girl wielding a knife to save the life of another black girl, James threatened the cop in a Twitter post that said, in quotes, you're next, hashtag accountability. It was after James quickly removed the tweet and then refused to apologize that Deputy Nate Sylvester made a video mocking the Los Angeles Lakers playing and pretending to ask him for advice on policing. Excuse me, could you please put down the knife, sir? Sylvester yelled before asking a fictional James, You don't care if a black person kills another black person, but you do care if a white cop kills a black person? even if he's doing it to save the life of another black person. <laughs> I saw the video. Just just so you guys know, I saw the video. It was it, it 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 was funny. I mean, it does make a whole lot of sense, but then again, you're a really good basketball player. Uh you're really good at basketball, so I guess I'll take your word for it, Sylvester continued. The TikTok which garnered more than 700,000 likes by Thursday afternoon, prompted a public condemnation from the Bellevue Marshal's office, which said it heard about the extreme controversy from people in the community who took the time to reach out to us. The statements made do not represent the Bellevue Marshal's office. The Bellevue Marshal's office always demands that our deputies engage with our citizens in a friendly and professional manner. This is not how we expect our deputies to act on duty or use city time. This is a personal issue that is being dealt with internally. The department said in a statement posted to Facebook, while Sylvester is, is still technically employed by the marshal's office, oh, please don't tell me they're going to fire him. This would be so stupid. His best friend started a GoFundMe, which raised more than $92,000 in the first day to rally support for the officer while he is suspended. A portion of the donations will be given to a charity for families of fallen officers and first responders. The fundraising website states, Jordan Davidson is a staff writer at The Federalist. She graduated from Baylor University, where she majored in political science and minored, minored in journalism. Once again, that article came off of The Federalist, uh, published on April 29th of this year by Jordan Davidson. Now, my opinion in all this. Okay, so... Okay, there are a few issues. Um, I don't... I don't honestly I don't think he he did um he didn't okay first off face value he he didn't do anything wrong he didn't okay the only thing that he did technically speaking was probably violate a, a few um department policies at worst that's at at worst that's what he did and if he and if he um if he did violate some department policies, he did not commit a crime. He didn't commit a crime. He didn't break the law. He didn't he didn't he didn't even commit a misdemeanor. 
So he he mocked a basketball player. So what? And they probably put on they probably put this man on suspension or admin leave because they're 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 so-called sheriff or police chief or whatever you want to call it. I'm I'm assuming it's a sheriff because he he's a deputy, right? So the the sheriff just put his tail in between him or her put their tail in between their legs and um caved in to people who probably don't live in the community. And I can almost guarantee not that I have any um facts on this, but this is how it usually works. You get a bunch of activists and let's be real about this. It's probably going to be Bravo Lima um Bravo Lima Mike, right? It's probably going to be them who pressured uh, the leadership of that department. And they probably don't even live in that community. It's easy to make phone calls when you're a few states away. Right? You may have a small majority, uh, a small group of people that do live there who support Bravo Lima Mike. But I can see already that this, this was all political. As far as um, deciding what would happen to uh, Deputy Sylvester here. It's it's unfortunate that we've we've come to this. It, it's it's so unfortunate that it's come to this. Okay, so sh- should he get punished for what he did? Sure, he should get punished for violating uh, department policy. Yeah, absolutely, because he violated. Um, he probably violated um, department policy. I'm pretty sure he he, he did. But to the degree of um, firing the guy is wrong. He did not even commit a crime. He was not even close to committing a crime. You know who committed the crime here? LeBron James did. Because he threatened he threatened that deputy. And by the way, who the hell is LeBron James to say anything? Has he ever been in any... Uh, capacity of doing any kind of police work has any of these people ever been in the shoes or even at least let alone have done a ride along uh with a cop no no nowhere near it's easy to monday night quarterback somebody's play Try, try being in their shoes and try making this like try making the decisions on a split second. Now I've seen the video of that situation where um, uh, the shooting happened in Ohio. I saw it, and I think the cop did a remarkable job. It was amazing that his accuracy was on point. Because when you're in high stress, your 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 motor functions go out of whack. I, it just does, because your your initial reaction for for somebody who's not trained would be to kind of freak out. It's it, it, the first thing that happens is a fight or flight, right? 
You're going to decide whether you're going to fight that or you're going to decide whether you're going to cower down to that. That's why it's called fight or flight. But you can tell that that was nothing but training. Training just set in instantly. And there's something that has to be said about training. It's it, it, it comes to you without even having to think about anything. And what he did, what how how he was able to accomplish uh, stopping the threat, remarkable, remarkable. So, you know, honestly. This is this article. It's a good article. I, I, you know, it's 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 not taking a side on on any any of it, any angle. It's not taking a side on any angle. So it's 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 a fair article, and this is the way things should be reported without any bias or without uh, taking a side. Great article, Jordan Davidson. Good for you. But here's where I have a problem. And I'm not speaking about the article. I'm speaking about the content of this story, right? Who is this NBA player to decide uh, how cops should do their job? Obviously, you're not a cop. You play basketball. Right? What's the hardest thing you have to do? What's the hardest thing you have to do as a basketball player? Train? Uh, work out? That's the hardest thing you have to do, right? Because there's there's no backlash for you uh, making threats to that cop who, sh- who shot and, you know, um, stopped the threat to save that other uh, black girl's life. You know, I guarantee if if uh, that girl stabbed that other girl, that wouldn't even be in the news. Would uh, Bravo, uh, Bravo Lima Mike even matter at that point? No, because they never they if they if they think if Bravo Lima Mike actually thinks that Bravo Lima Mike then maybe they would be fixing these communities that have black-on-black crime. You know, when I was growing up, right, there was a movie that I saw. There was a movie that I saw, and it, was, it, it had to be uh, one of my favorite movies back then when I was younger. Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood was the movie. Okay? Now... Watching that movie, the the whole the whole uh, gangster thing in L.A. You know, of course, I'm drawn. I was drawn to that because I was younger and it was a different time. Um, I was listening to a lot of rap music, especially with N.W.A., Ice Cube, Easy E. I was listening to a lot of West Coast, um, a lot of West Coast rap, a lot of G funk rap. That's what I was into. And even to this day, sometimes I would throw stuff in. I can't listen to it as as much as I used to when I was younger because that was my thing. That whole that whole gang culture thing, 
intrigued me a lot. And I did used to hang out with a lot of gangsters back when I was younger. Because I thought it was cool. And not to mention there was no father in my in my life to kind of guide me and give me some direction. There were a lot of father figures that kind of stirred me away from that. But I still fell into um, hanging out with uh, certain types of people, um, gang members, when I was younger. But let me explain something about Boys in the Hood. Because that movie, now that I look back, that movie was prolific for its time. And a lot of people thought, well, a lot of young people were watching that because of the gang content of it. Well, at the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, they were bringing awareness to black on black crime. And now you don't even hear that from, um, you don't even hear that from celebrities or activists. You don't. That movie was bringing, brought aware, uh, was bringing awareness to black on black crime. It was bringing awareness to the gang problem that they had in LA. And I have to say, man, that was a, that was, you want to, the true meaning of woke would be that movie right there. Yeah, there were there were parts of the movie that showed problem with the police. Yes. Yes, and that, you know, um yeah, there probably is. I'm not saying I'm not going to pretend and say that um there isn't because it's a possibility cuz everybody in every group have some kind of bad apple in them. Okay? And I'm just generalizing here because in a perfect world nobody would be you know, nobody would have problems, but we're not in a perfect world. And we're, especially now where everything is turned upside down. But at the same time too, as a cop living in, uh, not living, but as a cop going, you know, patrolling these neighborhoods, having to deal with gangsters every day and having, having this thing where they're just wearing a, a uniform and being in a police car g- gives you a target. You try living a life uh, every day of being paranoid, of not thinking that you may or may not make it home because you respond to a domestic call violence, which turns out to, to, to uh, become a shooting on a cop. Because statistically speaking, uh, as far as I know, that domestic violence calls are probably going to be the most dangerous ones because those those calls can turn against the cop in, in a split second. Well, and not only that, but, but if you're patrolling these neighborhoods that are gang infested, you, you, you don't know what kind of, uh, you don't know what's going on there. Right? Maybe maybe they're gonna be uh maybe it's a setup to ambush cops. You don't know. But just just kind of put yourself in the cop shoes every day, having to patrol these neighborhoods. Having to see what you see, having to deal with what you deal with. And I would imagine that it would be harder for a, a black cop to to patrol the streets of these neighborhoods too. 
because now they look at you as somebody who sold out when in actuality you're just trying to fix a community that's broken a lot of these celebrities and people of stature uh, athletes whatever they are it's so easy for them to say these things but they they never took the time to at least at least be in a patrol car for one week maybe two and experience what these cops go through every day in these bad neighborhoods they may have come from these bad neighborhoods right and here's what i don't get if they came from these bad neighborhoods and prospered to being somebody successful and not fall into that gang life you would think that they would support cops or at least try to improve policing as far as um working with the community as opposed to having the community work uh go against the cops people who come from these neighborhoods that become successful are are it is in my opinion okay and of course my opinion doesn't really matter because i'm i'm nobody but i think they have a great responsibility for bridging the gap between community and the police because now now that they're successful they have the power to say these things they have the influence they should be the the bridge uh, on the gap to 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 improve things in their in their community but what do they do they they throw, they add more gas to the fire they make the fire even more bigger and i don't get that i don't And another thing too, I mean, it, it gets to me that when you go in these neighborhoods, right? People already think, people already think you're uh, uh, a certain thing about you when you wear, you know. When, when I'm pretty sure that these cops, um, when they go patrol these neighborhoods, they, you know, the the community already have a, uh, they've already pre, they've already have a, a judgment on you on on. Um, on who you are because of the uniform that you wear, right? They call you racist and all sorts of stuff, and they don't even know who you are. They don't know. I, you know, um, it, it's not a fair judgment, and I don't, I don't understand why in these communities that that they still hold on to stuff from the past. We have to let go of of, of uh, bad things from the past in order for us to go forward, because it's an anchor, it's a negative anchor that brings you down, and then it brings everybody else down. Were there bad things that happened in in the community with police with the police? Sure, probably there there was, but how are you supposed to improve as a community if you keep pulling it, you know, being an anchor to that? A lot of these, um, a lot of these cops nowadays, they they're trying to, they're trying to bridge that gap, but it's very difficult. And the media doesn't help. The media does not help at all. They perpetuate the hate on the cops every time. 
by not showing a full clip of a situation by, you know, um, um, they, 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 they curve, they curve decisions on these cases against cops because for some odd reason, I don't understand why they paint the, you know, they, they, they do that. I mean, I know why they do that, but I don't understand the end goal to it. You ultimately you're destroying the community. So, yeah, um, as far as this article goes, I know I went pretty far with that, but in a nutshell, I mean, generally speaking, it all what I what I thought about my thoughts connected to this article. Of course, it did. You know, LeBron James has the power to to bridge the gap, but he chooses not to. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Has he even done anything for the community? As far as making a relationship, having a relationship with the community and the police? Probably not. Probably not. Has he got even, has he ever been on a ride along? Probably not. (sighs) And, you know, to, I mean, to be honest too, in my opinion, right? Because a lot of these, (laughs) a lot of the things I say are my opinion. This is just me thinking out loud. Um, and that's what my podcast is, is thinking out loud um, to what I think truths are. Another thing about these communities is that uh, a, lot of, a lot of fathers are absent. That's a big problem. Trust me, I know. When you don't have the presence of a, of a, a responsible man who's supposed to give his son direction, it turns out bad. And I know that firsthand. I was one of those kids. Fortunately enough, through God's through God's um, miracles, I, I did not end up on the other side of the line. I did not. I was heading towards that direction, but for some odd reason, um, it wasn't God's uh, plan for me to be on that side. I was lucky. And a lot of that too was a lot of people who I've connected with as I was growing up, I did, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, I've had father figures growing up. There were people that I looked up to. And I'm very thankful for them for keeping me out of, uh, harm's way when, when I should, when I should have, clearly I should have been on the other side. But as you get older, as you have your own family, things change. Things change. And I promised to myself that I would never put my kids through what I went through, uh, through what I've went through as a child. And I tell you, man, there are a lot of, there were a lot of things that I shouldn't have seen as a kid. A lot. There's a lot of things I shouldn't have done, but you know, what do you do when there's nobody to guide you? What do you do? What do you do when you, when you have the possibility of losing both your parents, right? One, because, uh, he decided to bounce and two, my mom, uh, was given only a limited time to, uh, 
to live. And fortunately, through the miracle of God, my mom still lives to this day. Man, I, you know, just the thought of having to lose my mom when I was younger, when I needed direction, right? Maybe that would have been, maybe that would have been the tipping point for me to be on the other side. Easy. It's easy to, to, to do that because, you know, it's, you don't think, but I'm glad and I'm blessed and I pray every day for my mom, um, you know, although she wasn't present, she had the burden of having to raise two kids on her own. And I completely understand her doing what she had to do to, to give us shelter, food, clothing, despite the fact that she was dying at the same time. Man, you want to talk about a superhero that I admire a lot. It's my mother. She she didn't give up and God didn't God told her it wasn't her time yet. So I'm lucky. I'm very lucky and I'm very blessed and I'm very thankful for all that. Matter of fact, I'm thankful for every experience that I've had even if it was rough. I'm thankful for that because it's molded me to who I am now. I look at things at a very different way now. And I learn from those experiences so then I my kids don't don't go on that path. But I know I'm veering off here. Uh that would be an awesome discussion about uh how I grew up. I mean, I wouldn't say I was in in a in a completely poor neighborhood or anything like that. I mean, it's nothing like that, but but just the the absence of a a father is a big deal to kids. It it really is. It really is a big deal. And it should be it should be um it should be more magnified. Like we need to to we need to show why the the presence of a, a responsible father should be at home. And those guys don't even get enough kudos for what they do. But then again, if 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 you're a responsible father and husband, you shouldn't want the kudos because that's what you're supposed to do anyways, right? <laughs> anyways, uh, I'm going to take a break and then we're going to hit another article um, which does not complete it doesn't uh, even connect to what we just talked about but you know one day i would love to discuss the problem of um absent fathers in the homes because i was um i i went through that i went through that and um it's 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 not an easy thing because now you're tapping into how you have a relationship with a, a woman as for me having a relationship with a woman as I was growing up, it was, it was very, um, it, it, it was very, uh, blurry. Like what I, what I thought a relationship should be. But like, I, like I said, we'll, we'll discuss that, um, on another day, maybe on a live show. I don't know. So for now I'm going to take a break. So I will talk to you guys after.
and welcome back. So the next article I have here is from the Gateway Pundit. It was written by Christina Layla, and it was published on May 1st of this year. Article reads, Tennessee woman paralyzed after second Pfizer Charlie Victor shot. A Nashville woman is in a hospital bed and unable to walk after receiving her second Pfizer Charlie shot on April 16th. Mind you, when it comes to this stuff, I have to uh, I have to talk in code because um, because unfortunately, uh, there's a certain platform out there, Yankee Tango, or yeah, Yankee Tango, um, that has already deleted one of my videos. Um, so I have to talk in code when I talk about certain things. Okay, so when I'm referring to alphabetic al- stuff you can probably figure out what I'm talking about. Brandy Parker McFadden said mere hours after her second dose of the Charlie vaccine, an unusual sensation began in her legs. Soon the young mother of three was in agony with horrible neck pain, and it kept getting worse. She was screaming in pain. She is one that is pretty stoic. That's what created the sense of urgency. Her husband, James, told WKRN. I'm assuming that's a news outlet. I woke up. I can't move my arms. I can't move my legs. So he's freaking out. The doctors are panicking, Brandy said. I'm holding her hand, and her hand is limp throughout the whole thing while she's screaming in pain, James told WKRN. And all the test results are coming back negative. Brandy is unsure if she will ever be able to walk again. After 10 days, she is able to move her arms and wiggle her toes. WKRN reached out to Pfizer and they issued this statement. Wow, they actually actually put a statement out there, huh? We take adverse events that are potentially associated with our Charlie Victor 1-9 vaccine. BTN162 Bravo 2 very seriously. We closely monitor all such events and collect relevant information to share with global regulatory authorities. At, <clears throat> excuse me. At this time, our ongoing review has not identified any safety signals with paralysis and the Pfizer Biotech Charlie Victor 1-9 vaccine. To date, more than 200 million people around the world have been vaccinated with our vaccine. It is important it is important to note that serious adverse events that are unrelated to the vaccine are unfortunately likely to occur at a similar rate as they would in general in the general population. Once again this article was uh written by the Gateway Pundit and it was written by Christina Layla. So I kind of found this interesting right here, right? Because, uh, honestly, this is a test run. They're trying to figure out what kind of adverse uh, reactions people would get so then they could put it in their disclaimers, right? Um, And I'm going to be quoting the statement that they've put out. We closely monitor all such events and collect relevant information to share with global regulatory authorities. Figure that one out. 
this is clearly a test run. They want to figure out what kind of adverse reactions that these things give so that when they um when they start making um their la- like they start putting more information into their labels they put that into their disclaimer it doesn't really matter now anyway because they can't get sued they can't, that's just the way it it is uh these these pharmaceutical companies are untouchable when it comes to um these things and I, I I don't I don't get it I don't get I don't get people okay I don't I don't get these uh, people I call them the sheep I call them the sheep because they refuse to um, they refuse to do research on their own about what they're getting themselves into or what's going around what's going around the world I don't get the mentality of this thing this Charlie Victor thing has a 99 uh, percent, even more, I think, uh, depending on what age range you're in. You have a 99 percent chance of living as opposed to the jab, which is probably going to lessen like you're probably more you're more than likely to to face either getting sick or uh, death or something in my I, I, in my this is just my opinion there's no statistics on this it's like a 50 50 thing you're gambling you're, you're rolling the dice on something that's unknown when clearly you have more than a 99 percent chance of living getting the uh, charlie victor i don't get it I don't get it. You know, when I was a kid, and I probably talked about this before, when um, when there was a kid that I knew who had chicken pox, man, it was game on. Just go play with him, go get the chicken pox, and you'll be done with it. But now, we've become a society that's so neat freakish. And when you over... When you overclean things, like how do you build your immune system up? That's why it's called an immune system, right? We build we build it up to get to make it stronger. It's it's like working out. When you when when you're working out, in the beginning, everything is gonna hurt, right? You're strengthening your muscles, um, you're strengthening your bones as well. And as time goes by, it gets stronger and stronger. And now we're relying on things that are not even 100% going to protect us. And even if it, I mean, you're still going to get sick. Either way, you're getting sick. But I think I would roll my chances with with a, a 99% live rate as opposed to something I don't even know anything about. <clears throat> I don't get I don't get the sheep the sheep uh, mentality on that. I don't. Um from the get-go with this whole Charlie Victor thing when they started implementing ma- man the moment they started implementing masks, I knew that this was this was it. I knew this was all about control. It has nothing to do 
with um, safety. That's what they did in 9-11. That's how they hoodwinked a lot of us in 9-11 with the Patriot Act. And now when we go to the airports, and I know a thing about this because I travel every week. Lucky for me, I'm TSA pre-checked, which means I don't have to do certain things that the mass sheep have to do. Like you go through this body scanner and for some odd reason, things still get through. Not to mention the fact you got to take your shoes off. Why? Because some dude, some, you know, uh, some dude tried to sneak up a, a bomb in there or he's, you know, I don't get it. Things are still going through. I, I really don't get it. That's how they get us. That's how they get you. They scare you with these, oh, we have to protect you. So you're going to have to lose some rights for that. I don't get it. I don't. And I hate I hate the thought of having to lose rights because you're afraid to live life. I mean, who is the government to tell me what's good for me? Who are they to control me? I decide what's good for me and what's good for my family. Let me make that decision. I don't want you to decide for me. But then again, that's how liberals think. They want to control every aspect of your life. Why? Why is it your business? Why is it your business to care about what I do for my life? Because I disagree with you? I know, and I know this discussion is veering off into something else different. Because we're supposed to be talking about the jab and we're we're supposed to be talking about uh, Charlie Victor. But honestly, you know, um, I want to say that I feel bad for these people who decide to get the jab. I, I, I sincerely want to feel bad for them when something happens. But, but the, here's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is, if you're deciding to do something for yourself, it is your responsibility to do all the research you can in order for you to make a logical decision as opposed to just just making fear, uh, ma ma making that decision for you. That's what they do. They, they instill fear in us in order for us to, in order for us to accept certain things. They instill fear because it's the easiest thing to do. Uh, you know, and honestly, in my opinion, a part of that is not having a relationship with God. Because that's not what God intended us to be. Our, our life is not intended to be living in fear. Because if we lived in fear, where, how, I mean, you'll be stuck in your house. You won't be able to go out and have to make great relationships with people, have great discussions with people, advance your own mind. And that's what they do. And they have this, they have this, this because it is, a, it is a scientific experiment. They have this scientific experiment to the T. They do it with, with media. They do it with entertainment. They do it with propaganda. And the sad thing about it is these people who are in positions of um, authoritative positions, as far as like um, agencies like the, the, the Charlie Delta Charlie and um, 
the Whiskey Hotel Oscars, right? Because they're part of a health organization. Instead of us doing our research, we tr- we put all our trust into them. How about this? How about you put all your trust into God and take responsibility for, for doing research into what you're putting into your body, right? I'm going to admit to myself that, hey, I know that junk food is probably, and I'm going to say this because I love ice cream. I know eating ice cream um, all the time is not good. I probably eat it more than I should, but that's a decision I make for myself. <laughs> at least I have the, I, at least I have that in my head that I know that too much of this is probably not good. That goes with drinks as well. Cocktails, right? The bartender, the speak uneasy. Which is why I drink to moderation. I don't overdo it. I know. But as far as ice cream goes, shoot, man. You got me. Like, (laughs) any opportunity I can eat ice cream, I'm going to eat ice cream. Um, My wife tells me to slow down at times. Uh, But that's a hard thing for me. (laughs) It's a hard thing for me to do. And I understand addiction. I really do. I got a sweet tooth. Uh, I'm 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 not getting any younger, so I, I I honestly gotta slow that down. But at least I recognize that it's not good. So at least I know, as opposed to people that out there, where all the information is out there, and they just refuse to do a little bit of research, just a little bit. All you need is a little bit. Because it's a little bit is all, all a little bit is all it takes for you to start going down that rabbit hole. That's what happened to me in my awakening back in 2006. Like I, okay, so during, and I'm gonna, I know I don't know if I'm going if I'm on track with this conversation from this article, but it has everything to do with doing your own research, right? Because ultimately, when it comes to this article, um. This this lady should have done her research before she got that jab. She should have. Maybe she did. Maybe she didn't dig deep enough to understand that um, getting Charlie Victor is not going to be the end all be all of your life. Like you're not going to die if you're in the category of an age range that's quote healthy. You're not going to die. But now you're increasing your chances of death with this thing that's foreign to your body. And quite honest, it it alters your DNA, right? But anyways, now I lost my train of thought because of all these discussions right here. (laughs) Oh, okay. Referring back to uh, 9-11. And I'm talking about uh, the World Trade Centers. So back in 01, when I saw that happening on the news, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, we're, we're being attacked and all this stuff. And I admit I was one of the sheep. I didn't care about, I didn't care about, uh, what was really going on. I didn't follow anything. Um, I didn't care. I really did not care about, um, I mean, I cared about the country being attacked. Of course, who didn't care about that? Everybody cared. Everybody stood in unity. 
everybody was in unity we all agreed that we had that that we had um an enemy and you know we we all we all stuck together as as americans you know and time went on i went on with my life just as everybody has but at the same time we never forgot what happened in 2011 I'm I'm sorry. In 2001, September 11th, we never forgot that. Every year that every year that uh, September 11th came, we all remembered. But it wasn't until 2006 that a coworker of mine, back in one of my old jobs, told me, "Hey, dude, you got to check this film out." And um, he told me, "Yeah, you got to check out this uh, movie called." Uh, loose change i said what the what is this loose change what is this he goes just check it out dude just check it out and man when i (laughs) when i saw that film i was all in the rabbit's hole like i went and dug and dug and went through different tunnels of the rabbit's hole but that was because i started caring and and part of that too part of me starting to delve into that was um my mind, my mindset was changing at the same time because I, I, I realized too, even before watching that film that I started getting in, like I started getting into politics because there were so many, and at the time I was living in California. So there were so many decisions that was going on that affected me because I wasn't, I was making not much money and I had a family I had to support and a lot of these things started affecting me so I started getting into it and part of that was the people that I worked with were a lot older than I was except that one guy who um introduced me to um that movie he um uh lose change he was younger than me um he knew a lot more than I did but um I, I surrounded myself around people who were older and um, who were conservative for most part. There was one liberal guy, but we never really chopped it up as far as politics goes. And everybody uh, used to just tease him. <laughs> and and uh, that was probably one of the best jobs I had as not of the pay, but because as an individual, I grew. <clears throat> And I had so much fun. It was laughter every day, every day that I went to work. I was always looking forward to the next, uh, the next day because we'd always joke around, and um, it was just a, a loose environment. But doing the research, man, it's a big deal. That's where I was getting to. Like doing the research is a big deal. Sometimes you got to go deep, dig deep in order for you to make logical decisions in what you decide what you're going to do for your, your yourself and your family. Sometimes it takes work and you just got to do it. You have to. Because ultimately all these things are going to affect what it's going to affect you. So interesting conversation, yeah? Interesting how people just ref- they're just lazy. They're just lazy. They don't care. Which which is appalling to me because a lot of these people that don't care about politics, they care more about sports. And honestly, in my opinion, 
I, I stopped being a sports fan after high school. And I think that sports is a, a means of distraction um, away from, you know, finding out what, what truth is. I mean, you, you get people to, to you, you get, you, you ask people, I'm sorry, this stuttering. You ask people about what's in this bill. What, how does this affect you? They don't know, but you ask like a player's statistics in whatever sports they're into, they'll give you the full statistics, which baffles me. Why do you care so much about that? Sh- that stuff. <laughs> oh, I, I caught myself, didn't I? Anyways, um, so that's that for today's discussion. I hope you were able to uh, learn something from me. I kind of learned something about myself as I was speaking. And um, this is what I like to do. I like having discussions about advancement of our uh, us as a human race because honestly I'd, I'd really love to get to that next level and I know the li- it's limitless I know it's limitless but but these people in power these people who so-called run the world have put um boundaries and they have set rules where they're the ones who are winning but now uh I see that a lot of us in this movement because it is a movement, right? To take our country back as patriots. A lot of us are beginning to unlearn that and see that the, it, that it's limitless. Sky, sky is definitely the limit. It is just us that are holding ourselves back. And it is us who are believing these people who are so-called in power of, you know, running the world. Look, in my opinion... God is the ultimate. Like these people can do whatever they want as far as running the world. But honestly, at the end, at the end, we all know this as patriots. At the end, God will win. God always wins and he will continue to win. So, great discussion. Great discussion. Anyways, as I exit out of the bar and as I close the bar down, with that being said, the bar is now closed. It's more than a passing notion I've never fallen with such devotion I can't help but wonder If it's only a dream Am I naive again? believe that things are really as they seem 
Can anyone explain it? How to understand what's true? I know I just can't take it whenever I'm with you. I can't help but wonder if you wonder about me, 'cause lately I can't help but wonder how wonderful this might be. Might be.